Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam Barry, who covers the Pirates for MLB.com. And Adam, as we speak, there is a winter storm approaching the Midwest, approaching the East Coast. And the winter storm is named Harper. It is Winter Storm Harper. It's not Winter Storm Bryce Harper, but it might as well be, Adam, because the weather people are completely trolling Major League Baseball and Bryce Harper because he has been linked to teams in the Midwest, teams on the East Coast. Fortunately for LA, they don't get winter storms like this. Otherwise, it would just be the best troll job of 2019. And we could all go home because he hasn't really uh, indicated much. But there is a storm rolling through, a real storm. But the storm of Bryce Harper is also rolling through. And I just thought that was so funny that they decided to name it uh, Winter Storm Harper. He seems to be enjoying it too. I actually, I still follow him on Twitter from when I covered the Nationals in 2012. And he's like, you know, tweeting hashtag Winter Storm Harper and all that. He seems to be enjoying free agency, which, you know, good for him. You get get one big shot at this thing and you might as well make the most of it and have some fun while you're at it. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Uh, Obviously, the Weather Channel does as well. The Weather Headquarters, whoever decided to... uh, appropriately name this storm we are still waiting but the pirates are are not in on bryce harper we haven't even really talked about him i think for about two months now um he's a non-factor but there are people who are going to be playing on this team impacting Mm -hmm. this team so we're going to talk about those people adam because we care about those guys projected lineups that is out on pirates.com right now and you kind of dive into what you think this lineup is going to look like and where you think guys will slot in so give us a little teaser you don't have to tell us everything we want people to go to pirates.com and read it but what do you what do you foresee come opening day yeah I think the most interesting thing about it is what's new and that's probably going to be Adam Frazier batting leadoff uh, assuming he is the everyday second baseman he spent a lot of time in the leadoff spot he does a lot of things you like there he makes contact he gets on base he can hit for a little bit of power you know if he gets a good pitch so that makes a lot of sense up there with Starling Marte, Corey Dickerson, and Josh Bell coming after him. The whole look's going to change when Gregory Polanco comes back. Everything could change if Jung Ho Gung looks good in spring training. That could be a potential you know, cleanup or number five hitter, so he could move up the lineup if it's him instead of Colin Moran at third base. And we still don't know who's going to be the shortstops, the running theme of this offseason. So, you know, that'll probably be the number eight hitter. But, you know, if they get somebody with a little more pop, maybe he moves up the lineup. So it'll be interesting to see Clint Hurdle, you know, kind of experiments with things in spring training when he gets guys in, in groups and, you know, looks at how hitters complement each other, batting in front of and after certain guys. So 
I feel pretty good about the top five I have on the site right now, but honestly, it's going to be anybody's guess, you know, especially once guys start getting healthy and it's not like you see the same lineup every day for 162 games. You know, there's so many different combinations. So it's fun to look at. It's fun to talk about, you know, in kind of a slow part of the off season, but uh, we'll see where it goes, uh, you know, once we get into spring training and especially during the regular season. Yeah. And then we talk about a guy like uh, Francisco Cervelli, who you wrote about recently being obviously number one in the depth chart for that position. And he's mm-hmm. been a topic of conversation. Is he going to be with the Pirates come opening day? And I think those those uh, those rumors have kind of settled down a little bit, Adam. Correct me if I'm wrong, but his name hasn't really popped up as of a few days. So it's assumed that he will be in that position. He will be in that lineup. But let's also talk about the depth at that position. And then today on Pirates.com on Wednesday, you have a story coming out about first base, spotlighting first baseman for the Pirates. So let's go through the rest of the, the catcher depth chart and then move to first base. Yeah, it's kind of two very opposite situations there with catcher. You know, you don't necessarily know uh, what you're going to have depending on those Cervelli, you know, trade possibilities. They definitely have died down lately. And the most logical landing spot went off the board when the Dodgers got Russell Martin right. to kind of fill that void. So, you know, they got the former Pirates catcher and not the current Pirates catcher to fill that <laughs> void. So to me, it seems like Cervelli is going to be there on opening day. But then you still have a question of how often he's going to play based on his health. You know, he's had a lot of concussion issues in the past. And also kind of the emergence of Elias Diaz, the backup. You know, he hit really well last season. He hit like a starter. He's got a strong arm behind the plate. He improved uh, defensively with his game calling and everything. So that is a position of strength. I think I wrote that no team last season accumulated more wins above replacement from their catchers than the Pirates. Not even the Marlins, not even with JT Realmuto. The Pirates had the most value behind the plate last season. So yeah, that's a position of strike. That is a position of, you know, if those guys are there, certainty. You know you're going to get production out of those guys. And then they have Jacob Stallings as sort of a major league ready backup, uh, you know, behind those two on the 40-man roster. The question basically with him is whether they keep him on the opening day roster or run him through waivers and risk losing him because he is out of minor league options this year. So there's, you know, a lot to like about the the situation they have behind the plate based on the results last year. Mm-hmm. Whereas first base, you're still looking for improvement, but you know who's going to be there because Josh Bell is an everyday player. Durability is not a concern, but you do wonder about the production because as we've talked about before, while he did improve marginally, you know, overall offensively last year, the power completely disappeared and you need power at first base. If he's going to be that cleanup hitter in that projected lineup, you can't have him hitting 11 home runs with a 411 slugging percentage. So there are questions that Josh Bell has to answer heading into this season. And they're the same ones that we thought he answered in 2017 when he hit 26 home runs. But, you know, those same same questions are back about his power, about his defense. He graded out as the worst everyday defensive first baseman last year, according to the the Sabre defensive index. So he has a lot of stuff to prove (laughs) heading into this year, basically, you know, whereas you feel pretty good about where they're at behind the plate. There's still potential for Bell to put it all together, you know, be that good hitter with power that the Pirates have forecasted for so long. Right. But you just didn't see it last year. So that is going to be a question. And the challenge there is unlike catcher where the Pirates have depth, they don't really have a lot of options at first base. It's basically Bell and then a lot of kind of 
potential part-time players at first base. So another, once again, a guy to watch in spring training is Josh Bell. Yeah, and I had the chance to meet him last spring training. I was at Pirates Camp, and I think that was kind of the same theme for him was to work on the power and mm-hmm. to be consistent at first base. Um, and so I, I know I think that's probably got to be tough coming into the season and having those same um, uh, things to work on. Things is not the word I want to use, but um, the same things that he needs to improve on, uh, you know, in a second consecutive year. But he's the option right now, so that's what the Pirates are going to go with. And, Adam, you are previewing um, the rest of the infield, the outfield. What do, we have, what do we have next coming up from you? Yeah, next week I believe is going to be second base and I think shortstop. Second Moving base is, is new with, with Adam Frazier getting that you know everyday opportunity potentially, and you feel pretty good about what he did in the second half last year. You know, he showed uh, better defense at second base, which was the big question about what might be holding him back, and he turned out to be a really good hitter, probably one of their most valuable players by wins above replacement, despite not being an everyday guy for most of the year. So you feel pretty good about the improvements he's made you want to focus in on one position defensively with him because everybody is going to say you get better the more time you spend working at one spot. And keep in mind the strides he took defensively last year, despite the fact that he came into spring training as the projected opening day left fielder. So the fact that he improved at second base the way that he did, he really put in the effort. Uh, You know, I think you feel pretty good about the bat there. And then shortstop, as we've said, you know, ad nauseum remains kind of an open question. So we'll see where that takes them. You know, it's Eric Gonzalez and Kevin Newman right now. There are still a lot of options on the free agent market from, you know, Adani Hechevaria, Jose Iglesias, and Freddie Galvis, proven guys, uh, you know, if they fit the Pirates price range. But we'll see where that goes right now. You know, I'm just going to look at the internal options, which it starts with those guys. And then it, you know, falls down to Cole Tucker, who could be the guy uh, that we're talking about this time next year. It's crazy. It's great. It's great. I love it. So look out for that next week. But Pirates.com this week for catcher and first base and projected lineups. Next up, my friend Steve Blass, 34 years behind the mic, countless memories in front of it, and he's now entering. He's announced his last season in the booth. Bring us into his press conference, and you you have this incredible feature on Pirates.com that you can go read about him. Um, just kind of bring us into the press conference that he had and, and some of the things he talked about. Yeah, it was just such a wonderful kind of celebration of Steve Blass's career. You know, the Pirates did a really good job uh, setting up the whole thing and making it about not only his career as a broadcaster, which will end this year, but his 60 years with the Pirates. I mean, he's 76, and he has spent 60 of those years <laughs> affiliated in some way with the Pirates. He signed as an 18-year-old in 1960, and he talked about, you know, getting $4,000 and making $250 a month and moving to Kingsport, Tennessee and feeling like he was the richest man on earth, you know, and then he said he couldn't tell most of the other stories that took place during his time there. (laughs) It it was one of those kind of after, you know, mornings for Steve is he is such a great storyteller. He has such a kind of fun, you know, folksy sense of humor that I think he really showed there. He was able to poke fun of himself, you know, in a certain number of ways, you know, joking about, you know, when his grandson was pitching and Steve was sitting there saying, come on, throw more strikes. And his wife looked at him and was like, you're Steve Blass and you're telling this guy to throw more strikes. Like, <laughs> you can't do that. Yeah. You know, he's able to laugh at himself, but he's, it was really poignant in a lot of ways. I think the, the thing that stood out to me was when he talked about, 
you know, he went through some of his stats and he talked about his winning percentage. And then he said what he's really proud of is being 74 and two. He's 76 years old. He's had 74 great years and two that weren't so good. And you look at that and it's just a man who's had a really wonderful career, a really wonderful life. And he's able to kind of appreciate it and soak in hopefully some adoration and respect this year, you know, as he's going around and doing games for the last time. Uh, because he's really done a lot for the Pirates. He's been a wonderful ambassador and representative of the organization. Yeah. And I think he, he was entertaining for a lot of bad baseball that the Pirates played during his time as a broadcaster. Which is so, not easy to do. No, not at all. That's arguably the toughest thing to do is, you know, keep not only keep it entertaining, but to keep your joy for the game and your passion for the game. Yeah. And I think Steve and Greg Brown, the play-by-play man, are such great examples of guys who still love the game, still are genuinely passionate. You know, people make fun of them sometimes for when they get overexcited making a call and a big play or a big moment. But that's how you, you know, are, that's how you get to this level is you have to have a passion and a love for the game. And I think even after 60 years in it, you know, you can still see it with Steve Blass and, it was really a great example to kind of shine a line on that, or shine a light on that uh, during his press conference. Just a lot of fun. I feel like he could have told stories all day. It seemed like every time I'm he was sure. nearing end, it would be, all right, that's all I got. Well, one more story. Just one more thing. On. One more thing. It, it was so much fun to listen to, and I think it's a really nice moment. There will be a lot of nice moments throughout the year for Steve Blass as they're, you know, recognizing him, uh, you know, in the booth, on the field, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Pirates.com to read that feature. I love that you did a great job with that, Adam. Next thing you and I get to chat about, Corey Dickerson. Uh, We had some fun with him uh, with that gold glove moment that he had this season. So the Pirates and Corey Dickerson able to come together as well as Keona Kella uh, all avoid arbitration hearings. Um, Keona Kella, obviously that very important setup man that they went out and got. So walk us through the deals that they got uh, for 2019. Yeah, they avoided the arbitration hearing process uh, completely, which is generally a good thing. Those uh, hearings tend to kind of gin up some negative feelings uh, between players and teams. So Pirates won't have to do that. Uh, they settled uh, for $8.5 million with Corey Dickerson in his final year before free agency. Uh, and Keone Kelly got a nice raise to $3.175 million uh, in his second year running through the arbitration process. That's basically just, you know, providing cost certainty with those guys. You know what they're going to be paid now. You know, Kella's got another year after this that uh, he'll be under club control. And Corey Dickerson got himself a nice, well-deserved raise coming off of his gold glove season where he batted 300 with an 804 OPS. Uh, It puts the Pirates payroll right now by my, you know, kind of back of the notebook math to about 73 million, which would be down once again uh, from last season. So, Maybe they have a little bit of room to spend. You would think so based on past precedent. Uh, that is probably, you know, part of the reason they traded Ivan Nova to the White Sox at the winter meetings was to clear some payroll so they can potentially make other moves. But they have basically locked in all of their guys uh, right now for some cost certainty by agreeing to terms with Dickerson and agreeing to terms with Kella. All right, there we have it. Nice and easy. Keeps everyone happy. So Pirates okay. Pirates, and those guys, I'm sure, are happy about that. And last thing that we have, Adam, James R. It seems like um, a lot of people this week have been visiting MLB.com's site, all the different um, club sites, and they're wanting their teams 
to make a big move. There were people asking, oh, hello, dog. The dogs want teams to make a big move, too. That's right. Um, My dog also really wants a big signing. The hot stove season is slowing her down right now. Yeah, yeah. Someone was asking about the Cardinals and the Cubs and, and now the Pirates. James R. wants to know if the Pirates are going to make a move to push them over the edge. And Adam, as you explained in your answer, and I'll, I'll ask you to do again, they kind of already did that. Yeah, I, I think we've said before that their big moves came in July, and that was Chris Archer and Keone Kella. They were uncharacteristically aggressive moves. They gave up you know, big time, young talent, Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows and Shane Boz uh, for some players who will help their window right now. You know, these next two or two years for Kella and three years for Archer, they have proven talent to help them win. I think the question is entirely fair if the Pirates do need to make more moves to capitalize on the, the moves that they've already made. Because right now you look at where they are in the division and the league as a whole and they're probably they're not a playoff team. You know, most projections have them winning somewhere in the, you know, 78 to 82 win range, kind of like last year. And that's not going to be enough to get it done. So, you know, when you look at that combined with the payroll that I mentioned earlier, I think it's totally fair for fans to want the front office to capitalize a little more on this window that they created by trading for Archer and trading for Kella and do whatever they can to you know, give this team a better chance to win. And it doesn't have to be a big move. I think sometimes those things are overrated. You know, you shouldn't spend money for the sake of spending money when the talent doesn't make you that much better. But, you know, this is a time to be opportunistic because you essentially create a window. And we've seen teams capitalize on those windows. The Brewers are the best example right now of, you know, they create, they were a little better than they, uh, better than expected, earlier than expected, and they went in, they got Lorenzo Cain, they got Christian Yelich, they got Yasmani Grandal just now. They are pushing in basically on this window because when you're a small market team, it's harder to compete year in, year out. You don't have the financial resources to do it. You don't always have the talent to do it because of those financial resources. So to me, this is a time that the Pirates should be pushing in and making the most of this core that they have because you look at the core and it's a pretty good team, but then you look at the you know the projected records and where they might finish in the division and the two don't really add up so this does seem like a time to make that push you know it doesn't have to be the big move like i said but something to give this team a better chance to win so i appreciated the question from james r <laughs> uh, i appreciate all the questions i get in the inbox i right. can't even get to them all every week but we're about to get to the end of the off season and i have not had to beg for questions so i really do appreciate it Yes, James R., thank you for your question. Hopefully you can feel satisfied with the big push maybe that, that the Pirates did make, and, and hopefully it'll pay off. Adam, did we miss anything? We had a lot to, to go over this week. I think that was everything, unless my dog was making an argument for us to talk about something else. <laughs> Winter Storm Harper, coming near you. Everyone's hunkering down. I know you got supplies. My mom got supplies in Missouri. So everyone is uh, everyone's preparing for Mr. Harper uh, the storm, not the, not the person. So people are probably I, getting ready for the player too. Yes. And you know, it could be a girl. You never know. Winter storms can be women too. It doesn't have to be a, a man storm. Let's be real. That's it's 2019. True. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Adam Barry, I love getting to talk with you about the pirates. They're, they're an exciting team and we're hitting the, the, uh, couple of weeks mark until you're going to be face-to-face with these players, um, and, and we'll have a lot more to talk about. So excited about that.
That's right. 10 days right now until Pirates Fest at PNC Park and then less than a month until spring training. All right. Those numbers are terrifying and exciting at the same time. (laughs) I need to go do some laundry or get my life in order in the next month. (laughs) Start packing. Yes. With Adam Barry, I'm Danny Wexelman. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.